0: Cool. Welcome to the RevX podcast. This week we're going to try something different. We're going to do a couple of shorter podcasts. So this this is going to be broken up into like three different podcasts, which will be released separately. And mm. we've decided to, with the success of the XRP podcast that we had, which is like mad fanfare. Not that many. But anyway, there's <laughs> <laughs> really not that many. But anyway, it was good for us. Right? Oh, good. To start talking more about topics that are slightly more current to us and more divisive. So I've, actually that we have discussion to have on. And
1: and for you American listeners, what are you saying is divisive?
0: come (laughs) on, (laughs) divisive is like, anyway, let's not get into that. But so the first topic today, which if anyone has ever started a startup, well, actually not even just starting a startup, if you're in any industry and you are trying to get some sort of business goal achieved, you're going to start running some tests, especially in a startup, you run a lot of tests, right? So sometimes you don't even know you're running tests and you're not as, I would say, deliberate about the tests. But here at Revix, because we have very intense conversations about what we are running and what we're not running and what to spend budget on and things like that, we have quite intense conversations on what tests we are running and what is success and what is failure of those. So one topic that Sean and I have had many, many discussions over the last bit is how long to run one of these tests. And we'll give some examples. Um, And we have very differing opinions on how long these tests should run. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and how to run the test right? and how to and run then, the test and then, whether the yeah. tests actually have any statistical value at the end of it right Yeah. so do you want to maybe set your stance on yeah, tests I'll, and then I'll, I'll kind of because yeah
1: well I think that you remember what we're talking about here kind of gets applied to life as well so you have an approach to any kind of new system that you're looking to implement. And I believe that life is really just a whole bunch of systems, as dorky as this may sound, but a whole bunch of systems and you're trying testing so. <laughs> okay. and testing new things. But you're trying and testing new things the entire time and you're wanting to figure out what works, what doesn't work. If you're looking to grow in whatever way, shape or form, mm. it's how do you obtain that growth in the easiest way or the smartest way possible. Mm-hmm. And you'll implement a system. You want to try mm-hmm. that new system and just see if there's returns. Now, I don't think there's ever a set amount of time that you can allocate to a test because every test is different. Mm-hmm. There's no homogeneous test, in my opinion, unless you know. So there's no have... cookie cutter for tests. What you're saying? Exactly. Cool. Um, for the English listeners, <laughs> <laughs> there's no cookie cutter <laughs> test. So. Yeah, that's true. So, in my opinion, my approach with any test that you're looking to to perform would be to identify what exactly the hypothesis is from the get go. So what mm. is your hypothesis? What do you actually want to achieve and what do you think this test will Well, there's will a goal achieve?
0: and then there's what you think is going to happen exactly. based on what you're doing to achieve a goal. Yes. Cool.
1: And that hypothesis will change throughout this experiment because as you get more information and you know, reality kind of kicks in, mm. that test will either be a success or failure, or probably along the spectrum of success to failure. And at some point in time, you need to, I think, be able to objectively, even if it's your own objectively.
0: You mean subjective. But, no, your own, well, the definition your own, of your own objectivity is called subjectivity. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. but
1: I mean, you need to be able to <laughs> to look at that and say, well, we've now crossed the threshold where I believe or I don't believe my hypothesis has mm-hmm. now changed. Mm-hmm. And then there's a confidence level where you need to say, I'm confident that this needs to change or this needs to remain the same. I don't know if you So it's, like a, it's like that. So it's like
0: sampling the test along the way, right? Yeah. So where I slightly, I don't, I I hundred percent do the exact same test kind of structure where we set a goal that sometimes is very lofty. Sometimes it's very mundane. Um, we come up with some sort of way of achieving that goal and Inevitably, we measure this in cost, so rand or pound. Right. And then we say, OK, cool. What is a reasonable timeline to test this test? So I think that I think for me, you need to run that test for a significant period because you have variations of it, it and natural things about the test. Like if you're going to test a, a certain type of content marketing like the podcast, right? You have to understand, for me, that it's going to be hectically up or hectically down. In some cases, like crypto, there you go. It's like the risk-free. My goodness. Anyway, so it's not that if it's going down we we'll must like shut it down, and if it's doing really well it will always work. But there is a certain amount of time that I think it should run, and sometimes that incurs more cost than cutting it early. So I find that like I w- I like to run it for at least 50% of the planned time, always. Regardless of whether it's doing immensely poorly, unless there's some technicality that proves like it's completely that we don't even know what you're talking about to start this test. So for me, you need to give it enough time. But Do, I
1: yeah, look, from my side, I believe that time is a variable that you have to deal with just the same as any other variable. Mm. And if other variables start pointing that you should or point towards you should, the cancellation of a test or the continuation of a test, then mm-hmm. you should listen to those. So time at some points in like... When it, this test or whatever you're doing is going to be important and you do mm. need to give it the opportunity to, I think, try get tried out. Mm-hmm. But in the, the long term, if you don't cut things early, in my opinion, you're going to risk running failed tests many more times over than what you otherwise could and you wouldn't run new experiments.
0: Mm. So getting really, really like airy-fairy now. So like, just because humans have this thing called confirmation bias. Yes. Do you think that any test that is cut before it's time has no chance of having succeeded. So there is a confirmation bias in success. Whereas anything that we do that currently works was once a test that could have been cut, that wasn't cut, but works, but we don't look at it as a test that we didn't cut. We just look at it as stuff that worked.
1: Sure, I agree with you.
0: So I I think this is the thing we deal with. And if you ever start a startup, you will realize that that's the right answer, and you don't know. And if your test is... I, I've learned, maybe it's just closing comments on this part of the podcast. Gray is worse. I'd rather the test succeed or the test dismally fail. But like in the middle is like,
1: have we run it enough? Does it have enough time? Anyway, anyway that's my the, I mean, my final comments on this is that all of this, again, is your own assumptions and your own mm. beliefs and the way that you feel about a test. Whether it's succeeding or not, mm. there's generally never a binary outcome. Uh, where this has failed or this has succeeded, there's you can set a KPI and that KPI can be completely sucked mm-hmm. under your thumb mm-hmm. in terms of like the number of sales or Perfect. the number of converted users or whatever the story may be, but it's going to be very difficult to be able to say hard in stone this has happened and therefore it's succeeded or failed unless yeah. you set a KPI like that. Yeah, but Mostly, the KPI is also,
0: like you say is also made up.
1: Completely. Yeah. So the test could still be a success, but just maybe not to the success that you initially envisioned. Mm. So is the is the
0: aim then to not contextualize your tests in a way that you are aiming really high like I mean like really high and I think this is something we're dealing with now with a certain campaign that we're running um, which is about the 2000 Rand investment to win an iPhone right and if if you haven't done that yet and kind of this conversation gives away that we are trying to get a lot of people in there but at the moment it's not really converting as it should and this is all like a startup test right we're testing this campaign which means that if you're listening to this and you're smart you realize that not many people are entering this contest which means that you should probably enter the contest you have a very high chance of winning an iphone 11 pro you've got really high chance of winning it at the moment um but something like that so we have media spend which is spread across three different weeks Mm -hmm. we're currently halfway through the first week right The first article didn't show conversion like we had thought, which would be in line with a three-month success of this from a a cash flow, I would say a cost per acquisition versus lifetime value, right? Where do we sit then? Because for me, I would say we probably need to go through with two or three or more of the media spend things up until about a third of the media spend before we realize, okay, this message is not right. Because I think there's too much variance in in one one piece of content out there. I don't know, what do you think on that?
1: I think there's, there's a lot of different variables at play. And in my opinion, it depends if there's a nuance that I'm missing in this hmm. particular campaign. It's highly unlikely, but carry on. <laughs> that I'm missing a nuance. Yeah, it's, it's not a very nuanced campaign. Yeah, <laughs> so if you're not seeing conversions, fail early, and I mean super early, and move on to something else. It's the only way that you can find things that'll blow out successes and have that, you know, the 10x kind of returns that you're looking for. So that's my approach with a lot of things. That's my approach in business. It's my approach with people. I feel that you, when you meet somebody that is competent and that can really do a good job, you hold on to them and they're gonna give you the fantastic return. And you find people that are shy. try to get rid of them early because they, we can't say shite in this podcast. Um, no, but so, so you're dealing with people that, are, that aren't that competent or don't fill a position very well. That you should get rid of them early. And that's my approach with everything in life. And there's just different approaches, right? There's mm-hmm. no right way to kind of yeah. climb this mountain or succeed. There's different approaches, and there's some approaches which, in certain circumstances, are more effective. That's the system.
0: So it's just how you design your system will give you the outputs. It's actually not that. It's just when two humans or two monkeys, like in the whole system, right? Yeah. These, decide, two, these, two, these monkeys. two monkeys decide that the outcome that we both kind of want. Which I think is like largely when people are like, everyone's aligned on a goal. Usually not everyone's aligned on a goal. That's something you learn. But Anyway, so we're trying to tailor my system and your system together to get to the same goal. Which is, if you've ever started a startup with someone, poo difficult.
1: (laughs) And on that note, this ends the first.
0: The first, yeah. We might only do two. Okay, cool.